0: Hi everyone, Um, welcome to another episode of Black Milk. Today I'm gonna do something a little different. Um, I stumbled across this exercise, these, uh, a variety of questions that I've been challenged to ask myself that I wanted to share with you guys. And hopefully you could bounce these questions off of yourself and it can help you to further refine what you want out of life, what you wanna improve, how you're getting in your own way, um, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there are a couple of exercises. I believe there's two or three of them that I'll go over. Um, And, you know, you can try this at home. You can take notes as you listen, whatever your preferred approach is. But um, I couldn't deny how profound and how stimulating it was for me to the point where, After I asked the questions, even in my day to day, uh, my answers to these questions rung a louder bell than if I would just, you know, graze the topic and think about it briefly and then, you know, let it be a fleeting thought. So there are seven categories in our lives that mean the most as it pertains to sovereignty and fulfillment, in my opinion. There are relationships. There's romance, there's money, there's physical health, there's, em- there's mental and emotional health, there's hobbies and fun, there's your purpose, your mission, and your vision, right? And there are things within these categories that we need to tweak, shift, or overall eliminate in order to create space for newer things. And this has been a topic that I've actually been sitting on because I didn't understand how to convey to a person, well, how do you manifest the life that you desire? How did you get to the tropics? How did you live a life where you could do what you love and get paid for it? How did you find you know the person that you love or keep your relationship the way that it is or just always seem to be arriving at these fresh new perspectives that end up benefiting you and your you know life circumstance. And I never really paid attention to what was happening in the gray area between me having a revelation and me changing my life. You know, the in-between was always very blurry because it wasn't very important to me. But it's important to a lot of other people because they won't take the step from the profound realization to making the change they won't even take the step because they're afraid of what's in between you know so this is going to be an exercise that highlights what's in between and hopefully prompts you to ask yourself a lot of different questions I'm going to share my answers they're very sacred very personal but those are usually the things that get us um, out of our shell and more comfortable with sharing our truths and things so let's go on and begin So the first one is relationships. Um, Relationships, for me, I found to be very tricky because I treat them like options sometimes. Um, So I'm gonna read to you the excerpt that I wrote about relationships. I need to treat my most sacred relationships like more of a priority, even if its sustenance has nothing to do with my lifestyle. I want to be able to maintain important relationships in my life with healthy enough boundaries in place so that I can show love and support without feeling like I'm compromising my truth or wasting my time. I don't want to be shallow, judgmental, and easily agitated anymore. That's so egoic. But at the same time, I want to mainly prioritize the relationships that serve to accent my vision and my dreams. Now, I know that was a mouthful, but it's also a very common theme, especially with people that are always evolving, always hitting new pinnacles in life, always challenging themselves, or even just people that have arrived at a very profound spiritual awakening. We have this thing where once we are born anew, we don't want to be reminded of that old, sterile life. We don't want to be reminded of who we were, of the suffering that we went through. We don't, we don't want to honor the place that we were that actually allowed us to arrive at the place that we want to be or the place that we end up in that's, you know, all gratifying and beautiful and fulfilling in things. But for me personally, um, I get so wrapped up in reaching my goals that if my relationships don't benefit this, uh, this journey toward reaching said goals, I treat them like I said. I treat them like options. And that's not cool. And not only that, I have two types of relationships or two categories of relationships in my life. They're the people that have known me since I was about two, three years old and have watched me grow From total lack of self-awareness to semi-self-awareness to full-blown self-awareness. They've watched that whole evolution. Um, And then there are people that have caught me at very specific and relevant times in my life. That just gravitated toward me or I gravitated toward them. And they just stuck. And they were able to evolve with me no matter how different my lifestyle choices were, how much I shifted, how much I moved more to the left or moved more to the right. They were able to flow with me. Um, And I tend to, or when I first woke up, I tended to value those relationships more than I did the people that were there from day one. Because when you first wake up, you want relatability, you want support, you want Validation, you want affirmation. And oftentimes, the people from your childhood or from high school or from middle school or just your parents or your family members that remember you as this one fixed identity, they're not ready or they're not in a position to support these newer, more evolved, ever changing versions of you because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because this identity, this idea of you that they've grown to validate themselves around or become comfortable with, complacent with even, the idea of that changing into something else and the idea that they have to change themselves to shift and evolve with you is very, very challenging because a lot of people love routine. They love the familiar. They love what's set in stone they don't want to go through all of that. And so when you first come into this this newness, and not just a fixed newness, but a newness that is always new every day, every week, every month, every year, you know, you're a totally different person, damn near moment to moment even, you know. Um, in the beginning of that process, you tend to value those who accent it more, that Nurture it more. That are on a similar journey. That don't think you're crazy. That will support your risk taking. That won't doubt you. That won't say, mm, "That's not realistic." Mm, that's a little. That's a little extra, don't you think? That's a bit much. That's a little extreme. That's not ideal, you know. And unfortunately, these tend to be our family members, our siblings, our parents our age-old friends, you know, the ones that have chosen the life that was spoon-fed to them for the most part. And I'm not saying that to say that they don't love what they do or that they don't love who they are, but there are just a small few of us that don't want to settle for that. Even if we find a job that we love, eventually we'll want more. We'll always want more. We'll always want that newness, that freshness, that invigorating taste of oh there's more you know there's a select few of us that really thrive off of that and it's hard to support people like that and so on the flip side being that there that the reality is that it's hard to support people like us we tend to be very fickle about our relationships we don't nurture them the way that we could or should at least not initially um now more recently i have arrived at a place of confidence and groundedness and just overall alignment where i don't feel like i have to prove my lifestyle to my family to age old friends to facebook friends because <laughs> you know they're kind of like your family too a lot of them you were friends with since high school and now you're like in your 30s or something, Um, you feel less conviction to prove anything to them. And when you arrive at such a place of confidence, um, it's, it's refreshing and you get a chance to double take and look at how you're treating these people, how you've been treating these people, how much you've been nurturing certain people and why, for instance. I have friends that are also clairvoyants and seers and do shadow work and things like that, that just throw themselves into the unseen and the unknown. These relationships, I prioritize. I prioritize them more than the woman that raised me, more than my father, more than my brother, just for their capacity to understand me. It's really important. And not only that, when I first woke up, I prioritized being understood, period. I didn't think about what they needed from me. I didn't think about why they were in the relationship and what they needed from the relationship. I became self-absorbed. It was all about validate Nicole, understand Nicole, go to the depths with Nicole, understand Nicole's depths, understand the complexities of Nicole, 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 Nicole. That was what all of my relationships were about. And I became self-righteous and just totally self-absorbed. And it's not until now that I'm able to zoom out and say, wow, you know, there's a certain type of support, a certain type of love that I now have the capacity to give. So I'm not angry at the way that I've done things because... Me doing things in such a self-absorbed way created space for me to even arrive at a contrasting place where I'm able to do the opposite, you know? So it's not to dishonor and to, to critique the process so harshly um, than it is to arrive at this place as gracefully as you can um, and to assume, to assume whatever role is being called at to you. Um, so that's what I said about relationships. Now, the next category was romance, and what I said was, I want to prioritize becoming more nurturing, more touchy-feely, and really meaning it and wanting to give and please naturally. I don't want it to be forced. I want it to be a real desire that I put an effort into, to love and cater to my partner more beyond uh monetary support success or just overall validation from our peers and audiences i want to show my partner that he's special and how thankful i am for him now this was who <laughs> it ties back into relationships actually you know my narcissistic approach to only prioritize my needs my wants my being understood, my being accepted, my being embraced, my feeling like I belonged. You know, when we go without certain things in our most intimate relationships growing up, we overprioritize them in our romantic relationships. And if we're not careful, we make it all about, all about us. And we might even be adept at seeing what the person needs and giving them that and that only and not evolving even with them. You know, the relationship might start out, oh, we're just having fun and you need a a shoulder to lean on and I just want to have a good time. And it starts out like that. But as you guys get closer and as the infatuation phase fades, you start to realize that, wow, we really have needs. And if we really love and care about each other, we have to give each other this kind of support. But where it gets tricky is if you're not giving yourself that support first, it's really hard to give it to someone else. And that's the only thing that's allowed me to arrive at a place where I can even make a statement like that, where I can say, I want to prioritize my lover. I want to authentically and passionately want to just give and give and give and overextend and, you know, not make it all about survival and support. Invalidation. I want it to just be the simple enjoyment of showing one another that we're worthy and that feeling good and just feeling good alone can happen without it being earned or without us reaching a goal, without the whole overhead of the reward system. You know, the reward system is a huge, huge, huge thing in, I think, romantic and intimate relationships, and we don't even realize it. You know, we don't want to cater to our partner until we've seen that they've performed efficiently enough for us. Great sex, buying us things, complimenting us, validating us. You know, we don't feel urged to give them praise and pleasure and nurturing and just. Things that feel good. You know, we don't feel like we deserve, or we don't even feel like others deserve to just feel good without them having to have worked for it, you know? And that likely goes back to an internal belief that we don't feel that we deserve pleasure just because, you know? Um, So I found that in my current relationship, I'm being catered to so much And I've never had that before. And I'm not going to give him all the credit. (laughs) You know, a large portion of that is uh, linked to my taking the initiative to be alone and be isolated and take out time for myself to discover, you know, what is it that I'm not giving me? And that process was scary. It was... It was frightening, it was hella isolating, it was intimidating, but I couldn't put it on the back burner anymore. I could not jump into another relationship without meeting my own emotional, spiritual, and mental needs. I couldn't jump into another relationship prioritizing money, support, and stability only, you know? And a lot of our livelihoods, a lot of our romance, a lot of our relationship dynamics are centered around success alone to the to the capacity that there are a such thing called business relationships. We want to survive so bad, let's take our compatibility and use it for money. Let's use it to to make a living and And they maybe in the process start to appreciate the little minute things about one another that they might have overlooked initially because they were so gung-ho about the success and the material gains, but I really want to start shifting that narrative. So on to the next category, money. And what I said was, I want to stop putting the bulk of my joy into spending on material things that I think will improve the quality of my life and or simply satisfy one of my five senses. I want to start investing into more long-term things with value beyond my personal life needs. I want to help others where help is needed. Not just worldly charities that don't fix the root of the problem, but movements that I truly resonate with that are making a difference on a micro level and a macro level in terms of community being built or you know, just people uh, going after the things that fulfill them at a soul level. I want to support that. You know, there needs to be more support in that. Those those genres or those job types or those occupational titles that our parents often said, that's not going to make you any money. Musicians don't make money. duelists don't make money. Artists don't make money. Writers don't make money. Because they're not essential, but they are. Without writers and artists... And social workers, sociologists, if you will. Without these people, yeah, we can eat. Yeah, we can keep living and breathing. But that spark, that inspiration, without the seed of fulfillment and authentic passion, this world would be even more gray than it already seems to be. And so these roles, these genres are vital, and it's up to us to start changing that narrative by investing into people that wake up and say, you know what, I'm quitting my job and I want to go study herbs, or you know what, I'm leaving my partner because he doesn't support me living in the tropics, or you know what, I'm going to stop engaging in these toxic friendships because they think that everything that I attain to do or be is absurd, You know, anything that pulls you away from fulfilling yourself at a soul level, I think, should be addressed. Not only as something that you're obviously not believing in yourself, but as something that can change at the very moment that you decide that you want to change it. And not only that, our money, our money... Obviously, yes, we need day-to-day things like water and food, depending on the occasion, clothing, gas, whatever, you know. But to live and to work and to breathe, to only invest our money into those immediate needs, I think is a severe imbalance of our values. Um, If we invested more into gold or platinum or people that want to pursue their dreams you know, or businesses and organizations that actually get it. They actually see the root issue in the way that we function as a collective, and they're making an effort to eradicate a piece of that. Not the whole thing. Nobody has the whole solution. We're all pieces to that solution. And if we could support each piece, I think that things would pick up a lot more. We're all waiting to make a certain amount of money. We're all waiting to be comfortable in our stability. But the truth is we'll never be comfortable. There will always be more. There will always be the newest, most higher quality food or car or lifestyle choice or diet. There will always be something new. That's what the marketing marketing and branding industry is about, creating new needs for people. So there will always be Something marketed and branded to you that is better than what you were already doing. So we can't center our lives around that, really, if we want to efficiently move forward in a unified way. Um, And some examples of the way that I've been implementing that into my life is investing into gold. You know, Um, we're building a system on our website uh, for the community. We are organic, where we're going to be providing the community with a variety of resources to. Do some of these things and start investing into smaller organizations and just even individuals that want to make something of themselves and supporting them through that whole journey. We don't have enough of that. We want to support people that have it all together, that have the aesthetic, that have the brand, that have the company, that have the clout. You know, but what about the girl that only has eight followers? What about the girl that just got started, that doesn't have anybody looking at her? You know, what about those people that needed more, that aren't making sales? They don't even know how to make a sale. What are we going to do, charge them $2,000 to help them scale their company so that we can further scale ours and just keep climbing that infinite ladder? That that, that doesn't sound like um, an efficient approach to me anymore. Um, And not only that... um, Investing into things that will promote self-sustainability like solar panels, generators, uh, water collection tanks, rain collection tanks, things that will put you in a position to not need a middleman, um, going directly to the source, getting acclimated and acquainted with going directly to the source. For instance, instead of going through the preacher, going straight to God, or instead of going through cryptocurrency getting straight to the resource. You know, for instance, there's a cryptocurrency called Carrot Bit where you invest your crypto into gold whereas on the alternative side, you could just go and directly invest into gold. You know, because in essence, you're giving your power to the crypto, to that whole system. So if they wake up and decide, you know what, we're going to shut the internet off for 2 months. Where's your crypto? Where's your Bitcoin? Where's your Ethereum? If your life is in these digital things, not saying don't use them as tools because I'm doing it right now, but if your life's work and value and resources is lost when the lights and the wifi go out, you have some adjustments to make. So moving right along, um, the next category is physical health. And what I said was I want to find a true source of inspiration for wanting to be more fit. I wanna fast, I wanna cleanse my colon, I wanna work on my stomach. I wanna take better care of my teeth more consistently and breathe properly more often and more intentionally, as well as incorporating meditation, stretching, getting sunlight. I want it to be as vital as me getting up in the morning and working or eating. Rising, I'm sorry, there's nothing to (laughs) mourn. I just don't know how to make that level of prioritizing authentic. I'm simply not interested yet because usually something has to go wrong for me to fix it. I need a mindset and mentality shift. Now, as you guys may or may not know, I prioritize health a lot. But I've become rather fixed in my uh, health evolution, if you will. And it's because I just can't force myself to work out because I want to look good. I just don't care that much. I can't force myself to jump into this cleanse because I just don't care enough. It's Authentically, there's that inspiration that will make me jump up and say, oh, I got to do this. I'm doing it tomorrow. I haven't found it yet, you know. Um, And I think that's why a lot of people don't change their diet. And unfortunately, we wait for a health issue or a pain or an ache or a disgusting piece of news about what we're consuming. We wait for these extremities to change our lifestyle, to do that cleanse, to do that workout. Um, we need these high energy or extreme profound occurrences to take place for us to just care and That, to me, I think can be changed, you know. I think that we should start being more intentional and taking that power back and finding inspiration, you know, scouting it out ourselves. You know, if, for instance, I have diastasis recti, and that's basically when you give birth, and, you know, when your stomach gets big, your organs stretch out, and sometimes if you strain too much during pregnancy, I'm assuming, when pushing, the organs just never go back to normal. Um, So if you ever see my stomach poking out or if I'm on live and you see I got a little pop, I'm not pregnant. My organs, my intestines are just very stretched out and they haven't tightened back up. Um, And in order to eradicate this, I have to diligently do gentle um, stomach exercises. And it's very, very annoying. I don't feel like I'm making any progress. Um, I don't feel like it's getting me anywhere. I don't know how to hit new milestones with that because I'm supposed to gradually build myself back up to doing overall crunches. But I can't just jump into it because it'll make the condition worse. Um, and I'm saying all that to say it's rather lazy of me or, um, yeah, lazy of me <laughs> to wait for something extreme or profound to just drop into my lap. You know, I don't have that mentality in any other area of my life except uh, self image and health, you know, Um, and I'll change my diet. I make sure that I eat in a way that makes me feel good and have optimal energy. That's something that I am dedicated to. But in terms of taking it a notch deeper, just going ahead and doing that colon cleanse or doing water fast, coconut water fast or juice fast more frequently, that whole thing. There has to be an extreme awakening, an extreme realization, an extreme circumstance in order for me to really just jump in. And I want to change that. So that's physical health. Emotional and mental health. Um, I feel like I don't nurture myself that often. And I especially do not prioritize me. For instance, self-expression, pampering, checking in with my mental and emotional health diligently. I wanna be more connected to my emotional and sexual body, which has been improving, but I wanna be more present with both expressing and acting from them without lust for result or getting it over with like it's just another task on my things to do list. I wanna spend more intimate present moments with my son for prolonged periods of time. I wanna work on teaching him and trying new things with him, getting him out of routine. I also think that I have a lot of anxiety and discomfort in new environments that than I originally thought, um because of how much I have to constantly absorb information, um so to get into that, oftentimes, I treat my emotional and mental health like it's just another task that was a really like when I wrote that down, I was even like wow that's that's deep, that's accurate um for instance, if it's a part of my you know things to do list like answer emails, do eye readings, do shadow work session. I'll either not add getting sunlight, drinking this much water, checking in with my emotional and mental health, writing or something, self-expression. Those things aren't even on my things to do list as vital things that need to be done. They're options. I literally have them as options on my things to do list. I put them first. Because in my mind, they're important, but they're not on my vital things to do list that I'm going in every day and checking off. And that's that says a lot, you know. And not only that, the fact that I can sit in a room all day and answer emails and do eye readings and work on websites and do all these things and only come out for 10 to 20 minutes at a time to either feed my son or spend some time with my son the fact that I can sink into those spaces because it's not an everyday thing, but it's a consistent thing that I'm noticing is like not how I want it to be, you know, having these other things take up my son's time and attention where I could very well be there teaching and engaging and being present with him, and being present with myself, even um I want to change that because those kinds of things being present enough to take yourself out of the duty mentality, out of the completion mentality and saying, you know what, I'm going to be present enough to complete this, to do this, to see it through, not because it just needs to get done, but because it really means something to me. And that level of engagement with self and with family and with lover and with mind and with spirit and with emotion, that intimate engagement is not just the thing. I can't do that in robotic consciousness, the way that I can do websites and all these other things, you know? I can't engage with my love seed or with my lover or with myself in a robotic uh, worker bee state of consciousness. And sometimes we try to do that. Even if we go to the spa, we just go in and we lay there and we're thinking about everything that we got to do after we leave, you know? Um, Or if we are doing things that tend to our emotional well-being, we rush it because we got to hurry up and get to the important shit. That stuff is just as important. And sometimes, you know, we do need physical touch and pampering, but a lot of the nurturing and the self-love, and the attention that we actually need is in our self-expression in our ability to sit still and our ability to assess our thoughts, assess our emotional state, assess our health. How much water did we drink today? How much sunlight did we get? And if we're out in sunlight and we're getting antsy, why are we getting antsy? Why can't we just be there for 30 minutes or an hour? Why do we feel like we're wasting our time? When we're investing into our health and well-being um, these things are important, you know, clearing your aura outside by planting your feet and getting sunlight, letting the sun burn up all those pathogens and all that bad shit that your body doesn't need. It can't exist in consistent sunlight. that's the power of melanin and you know just nature overall, really. Nature's very healing, and if we gave ourselves. Just as much time to enjoy it and engage with it fully the way that we engage with work or pursuing a lover or keeping a lover even or getting validation from the Internet or creating content and pushing flyers and promoting. If we put that same energy into our emotional and mental states, I think that we would see a lot of different results in the way that our life unfolds. Um, Now I have two more. Uh, The second to last one is hobbies and fun. And what I said was, I often lose sight of my hobbies because they get boring. I love trying new food and going to new places and with new ambiances. I love creating things that actually touch and inspire me. Which doesn't happen often because my standards are super high or maybe I'm too narcissistic to expand my mind beyond what I consider profound, relevant, and worth a listen. Super shallow. I want to change that and I want to have an inner knowingness that there is truly newness and space for inspiration in each moment and that my mentality itself is what's shooting down that potentiality. I can be so rigid-minded, stuck-up, and disapproving of any and everything a direct reflection of my own inner voice and self-worth. Once I eradicate that, I think I'll have more space for newness, Um, the newness that each moment has to offer. Now, This is huge for me. Um, I've been a a thrill junkie for most of my life and I only tend to gravitate toward and entertain and engage with things that are profound and deep and stimulating. Anything outside of that, I see as valueless. That's not okay for me. You know, that's very shallow. And this mentality often puts me in a position to undermine basic level connection. For instance, I live in the tropics in a very simple village with indigenous people. They're not as technologically advanced as we are in the West. They're not getting this constant stimulation like we are, they, they're they still content with just sitting outside for hours at a time enjoying the sun, enjoying seeing the neighbors walk by, just watching the community. They're still content with that kind of life, whereas we have to sit on our phones for hours and we need all these likes and all, watch all these funny videos and see all these comedians and Uh, all these content creators and all these beautiful websites and movements and organizations and all these things and it just makes us all the more antsy to build ourselves up to those extents you know and because of that I undermine that there's something new for me to learn in these simple more basic level experiences and I find that I actually have to consciously humble myself when it comes to these kinds of dynamics with people, places, things, activities. You know, somebody could sit me down and say, let's paint. And I'm like, oh, God, that sounds so boring, like <laughs> shit. I, people like me are probably the ones that created drink and paint because painting alone just wasn't enough. We were so disconnected from our inspirational heart space or the heart space that would render us any kind of useful inspiration that we needed to be fucking drunk to feel something, to feel enough of something to be inspired to paint. That's a huge thing, and we miss out on a lot. And this is also a reason why I don't want my son to be so deep into technology now, while him engaging with technology from time to time, be it a show or a game, while it does give us a break sometimes, I do not want him to lose the, the value in simply being just sitting with himself or being entertained by watching a leaf go back and forth and being able to extract inspiration from something so simple because it's about us. We have grown sterile. We're not living. If we were truly living, we would be inspired without needing all of this thrill and inspiration and stimulation. We're dead inside. We're dead inside. Um, and because of that, I think that we should make more of an effort to, even if it takes time and effort and even if it's a muscle that has to be developed, when we go out, we should give it a chance. Even if it, if our, if our overstimulated mentalities say this is fucking boring, this is not fun, this is basic, this is nothing compared to the things that I read, the things that I watch, the things that I'm interested in. My, my depth, my intellect, my capacity for information. This is nothing. That's ego. That's shallow. That's Dead to think like that, and I think like that, you know. So that's something that I definitely want to change so that life can be more enjoyable on a simple, simplistic level. Going outside and just watching the trees go back and forth, and this is why we do drugs when you're high, you appreciate everything so much more. Why? Because that's how we're supposed to be every day. The trees are supposed to naturally look vivid. The the breeze is supposed to naturally feel like a caress. Our senses are supposed to be super engaged. Our sense of smell, our sense of taste, our sense of sight, our sense of hearing is supposed to be super sharp and super sensitive, but we're dulled out. We're overstimulated. All these bright screens Like the screens are competing with the sun at this point. (laughs) We're watching all these beautiful sceneries and movies and we have all this shit right outside. The real thing. We want to watch a simulation of it. A video of it. You know? We want to listen to a song that was inspired by going out fucking side. We want to listen to somebody sing about being inspired by it instead of going out and being inspired by it by ourselves. And that takes effort. I understand and I recognize that that will take effort. And it's an effort that a lot of us feel is inconvenient because we could be being stimulated somewhere else instantly. Instant gratification. Problem solved. No effort. The click of a video. The flick of a a swipe. Mm -hmm. We can feel something, and it only lasts a few fucking seconds. Whereas if you go outside and you really connect with the simple aspects of existence, once you tap back into that raw inspiration, you'll find meaning in a leaf. You'll find meaning in watching ants. And sometimes your ego has to completely die, or you have to be completely put on your ass to appreciate these things, and that shouldn't be so. Now, lastly, um, purpose, mission, vision. This is a big one, and I'm going to end it here. Um, The next episode will be the same categories, but about my judgments in regards to those categories. Purpose, mission, vision. I want to make sure everything I do, teach, promote, and invest into is a reflection of something that I'm already doing and implementing into my own life. For instance... I push self-sustainability, but I have not yet begun fully gardening and getting into the soil and connecting with plants or eliminate or eliminating non-essentials in a way where if I had no water and electricity, I'd know what to do. But I've always been into self-work and expanding my mind and self-improvement, which is why I'm able to thrive in my own arena. But that's not where my work ends for me. I need to start prioritizing living these other visions and interests. And expanding beyond my mental faculties because I've grown rather comfortable there. Now, in that regard, I am super-duper-duper articulate and intellectual. That's my stomping ground. That's that's my my strong point. You know, being meticulous, being detail-oriented, breaking things down, dissecting things, explaining them from a variety of different perspectives that appeal to a variety of different personalities and uh, people. And a part of this has been self-sustainability, sovereignty, uh, building, reconnecting with nature, nurturing the land, tending to the land, protecting the land, things like this. And although it's it's a conviction that I have, it's still all very mental for me. I acknowledge these things almost every single day, all day, with my mind, with my eyes, but not with my hands and not with my feet. And I think that's where things are going to change for me. Um, Being in my body has never been a thing, you know. I've grown rather acclimated to reverting purely to my mental faculties, maybe for emotional Or spiritual or mental survival Not feeling safe Not feeling protected Not feeling secure We revert to our minds For that security Our beliefs Our understandings of things Our grasp On things Our logical uh, capacity For information You know We become secure in this Very limited knowingness But I always say, in theory at least, (laughs) that true knowingness is about application, practice, application, practice, integration. As a collective, we lack application and integration. We reiterate every video, every book, every quote, every speech, and we have not integrated it yet. We're praising people for their messages, for their truths, for their videos. And we can't even tell that they haven't integrated it because we don't even integrate. So how will we be able to discern whether or not our leaders are integrating and applying if we don't even integrate and apply? In the moment that you begin to integrate and apply, you'll realize how much a lot of people are full of shit. Not because they want to be, but because they don't know how to be anything else. Everything that we praise online is about mental capacity and delivery and aesthetic. And that's where people's values stop. That's where they end. Not application. Some people will make a video doing something just so that it looks like they're applying it. And they never really apply it, which is where the true knowledge comes from. Most of what I've been able to directly apply has been about shadow work, -work, self-work, self-realization, observing myself, observing my behaviors. I'm very meticulous and aware of myself, and that's why I'm able to speak the way that I speak. But in terms of these lifestyle changes and adjustments that I want to make to become more self-sustainable, more self-governing, I have to take it up a notch. I can't just keep talking about it and reading about it and building on it in theory, you know, the life that I want, taking it to another level. And it's not just the life that I want because it's an idea, but it's the life that I want because I can still feel where I'm enslaved to something else other than my own self or what I produced with my own two hands. That level of creation was taken from us. That power of creation was taken from us. We've been limited to artistic creation, music, painting, content creation, speaking, fist pumping, pictures, videos. But what about hands and feet creating? Looking back at a house and saying, I built that. Looking at the, sink, the water running through your sink and saying, yo, I put that pipe system underground. I connected it to that nearby river. I know where that water's coming from. I know what's in it. It's alkaline. It's real spring water. It's mineralized. It's charged by the sun. To make a salad and say, I grew that kale. My hands grew that kale. My energy, my love, my, my passion went into growing that, that food right there. And I ate it. I nourished myself. I didn't have to rely on a grocery store to nourish me and feed me and my family. That level of creation, putting your trust back into the earth to that capacity. Allowing nature to truly provide for you. Getting out of this overindulgence of all these things we have piled in our cabinets and fridges that we don't need. Which creates the supply and demand chain feeling like we never have enough, because we're overeating, we're overbuying, we're overstimulating ourselves. If you really, really become present and eat a meal, you don't need that much food. Half of us come, become full within the first five to 10 bites and we keep eating, and then our stomachs expand. And then we need to fill that space that we've stretched our stomachs out to even, even have and embody. So as a collective, these are things that need eradicating in my life. I have been evolving in a beautiful way. I'm very thankful for where I've arrived, where I am. But it doesn't stop where I am. At all. And that's the beauty of life. That's the beauty of the lifestyle that I choose. You know, because I think this is naturally how we live, but what's natural doesn't always align with what people choose, and that's fine. But when it comes to problem and solution, at some point or another, we're going to have to start doing what works, doing what's natural. Not because I said do it or because. They said do it or because it has an organic, verified uh, sticker on it, but because it solves the problem. Only having what's essential solves a problem. Growing your own food solves a problem. Not having to rely on money solves a problem. Not having to go through a middleman solves a problem. Reclaiming your nationality, not only through paperwork, but through reconnecting with the planet in such a way, reestablishing that relationship with the planet in such a way. That solves a problem, and we don't see it because we're not used to getting to the root of the problem. We like quick fix. We like symptomatic healing. We like healing in a way that lets us get right back to work. Because that's what the medical industries and the work industries and the corporate industries, that's what they're about. Give them something that they get, that can get them back to work. They don't need to rest. They don't need to be still and take time. Because if they're still enough, they'll realize that something's wrong. That they're not doing something right. And if they do it long enough, if we let, it, if we let that wrongness accumulate long enough and build up, It'll be so bad that even when they try to be still, they won't be able to even sit with themselves because it'll be like an elephant is in the room. That's how we keep them in a cycle. Scare the shit out of them with themselves. Scare the shit out of them with their own burdens. Scare the shit out of them with their own energetic residues that they've built up by choosing us instead of themselves. Keep them disconnected keep them in a sterile environment that doesn't nurture their intuition so that they don't know left from right up from down. We're going to tell them what up, left and right and up and down is we're going to decide. And until we're able to get to the roots of these problems and solve them, not just fulfill another need, not just fulfill another convenience, Not just get another piece of validation, not just starting a new company or new LLC, but solve an actual problem at the root. That's where the journey towards sovereignty begins. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed and I hope that you can bounce some of these topics off of yourself or even resonate with some of my answers because they were truly honest and truly transparent. This is where I'm at. I hope you guys can get an idea for where I'm headed. And if you want to join the ride, I have space. If not, you can continue to tune in. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for holding space for me. Peace and love.